Well, we're starting a new series. And I had almost started this series a couple of different times. And then I was like, nope, nope, nope. And it, it has shifted. And I've talked, and then all of a sudden, now, it was now, here we go. So the, maybe this is just timely for some of y'all. I, I really believe it is. But it's simply called Scrabble. And with it, um, it's that, because uh, sometimes anybody play that game Scrabble or this crazy game that eats up all your time called Words with Friends? It's a Scrabble iPod edition is what that is, iPad, iPhone. And I used to play it way too much. Finally, I just had to take it off my phone because I, 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 was, I was checking it. And it's times that I should be doing like other like stuff. So I was like, nope, this is not good. I need to just take it off my phone. Well, Cutie and I, we, in our first year of marriage, we, we just really got to know each other really, really well over this game, Scrabble. Kept the TV off. Set it out, had the, had the game going, and we played game after game after game of Scrabble for the first year of our marriage. It wasn't something that we did strategic. I'm thankful that God had kind of led us in that direction because we just had lots of good conversations and, and, and played the what-if games and all those the scenarios. and just had a lot of fun, really just got to, to enrich our relationship. But every once in a while, we would you'd draw this hand, you draw this set of tiles... And that looks kind of like your subtitle, you know, this this uh, D G Q X Z I, whatever it is that's that's uh, that's there, and you're like, what do I do with this? Seriously, because because we were we were we were hanging out, we were we were enjoying each other, we were enjoying the fellowship, but we also we wanted to win. I wanted to beat her, and she wanted to beat me. I mean, it was competitive scrabble. So thankfully, it's not as, she wasn't as competitive with Scrabble as she was with Monopoly because she actually bit me in Monopoly once. It's a, it's a true story. She bit my leg. And so, oh, girl, she is she's serious about her games. So I'm glad y'all didn't play. She took games to the ladies' retreat. She's like, why did we not play games? I don't know. I was like, the Holy Spirit was protecting those women. That's why y'all didn't break out the games. You start biting people, you're going to ungrow the church, sweetheart. You have to have a healing service. What's the deal? And so, but uh, with, uh, with, uh, with the Scrabble, every once in a while you just get one of these hands. You're like, what do I do with this? How am I supposed to win with this? And you just want to dump it back in there and say, I, I want something else. I want something else to try to win with. I can't win with this junk. I can't win with this junk that's in my hand. And you know what, folks? A lot of times you and I, we look at life and we're like, ah, God, seriously, I'm supposed to win with this? I understand that, God, you're for me and I'm supposed to win in life, but I'm supposed to win with this? I'm supposed to win with this as it, it, that's happened, this set of circumstances, this set of me? Seriously, God? I'm supposed to win? Well, guess what? Guess what? We are. It reminds me of that, uh, that game that I will never, ever play. Because my, my palate is, my food palate is too limited. But uh, my, my sister and her family, are, are, they play this game called the, that show, Chopped. Where they just take all this stuff and throw it in a basket. And you've got to figure out stuff to, man, I'd never do that. There's like hardly anything I would eat that's in that basket. And then they try to figure out some sort of gourmet delicacy to, out of this junk that's in this basket. Well, sometimes we look at life and it feels like it rolls that way. Well, look, let's look at Judges. <clears throat> we have Gideon, man. He rolled right into this. 
the Lord taps his shoulder. The Israelites are, are, are an oppressed people. They're there in the promised land, but they're not living in the promised land. They're hiding. They're in caves. They're having to, to sneak their grain and, and kind of have hit these little hidden fields. And it's a miserable place. And God's raising up Gideon to be this great leader. And God tells him he's going to do this through this angel. And, 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 this, and Gideon, it, this is his reply. And Gideon says, but Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and my family is the least. God, there's just like all of this stuff that's stacked against me. How on earth is this supposed to work? I, how am I supposed to win with this? You're telling me that I'm going to go out and I'm going to lead Israel. We're not doing good as a nation. And man, my, my family's just messed up. I, I just, this just flat isn't going to work. He's not the only one. Let's look at Moses. Moses said to the Lord, Oh Lord, I have never been eloquent. He's just been told that he's supposed to go and speak to the most powerful man on the planet. Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And get him to let all his workforce go. And he's like, man, this is going to take somebody with a better tongue than me. Oh, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. He had already gotten the assignment. He had already obeyed God a little bit and started moving in that direction. And now here it is. It is game time. And he's like, I've, I've never been good at this. I, I said yes, and I was good. And I'm, I, even since I've started following you, I'm still not any good at this. Why are you asking me to do this? And God ends up bringing another mouthpiece. Guess what? Moses didn't end up all of a sudden being an eloquent speaker. His Aaron, his brother, speaks on his behalf. But the, the gap was filled. All of a sudden, Moses was able to do what he was able, what he needed to do. He got the win. First Samuel says when David and his men came to Ziklag, they were out doing all their, <clears throat> taking care of business. They had been out having some really great wins. They come back home. Ziklag is where they were living at the time. And they found it destroyed by fire. And their wives and sons and daughters were taken captive. They go to work. They come home. And their houses are burnt to the ground. And their wives and their sons and daughters have been taken captive and are slaves. All right, I need somebody to check on our plugs. It's kind of, one of them's loose somewhere. where It's turning off and on and off and on. So, it's just loose somewhere. Um, let me get back to what I was saying. Oh, they've been, they've been taken. I'm telling you, this is a bad day. This is a bad day. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking about stoning him. They were going to kill him. They're like, all of our stuff is gone. We were following you. We were doing what you said. Now we're going to take you out because we've lost everything because of you. And each one of them was bitter in spirit because of his sons and his daughters. And I tell you what, that would be, that would be a really ugly day. But here we find, we find David's secret that carried him all the way through. It says, but David found his strength in the Lord his God. See, one of the things that we need to understand 
is that Jesus did not sidestep the issue that some things look impossible. There are things that look impossible. We hit these things and they look impossible. God, how am I supposed to deal with this? Even Jesus was teaching, does it, oh, well, you're looking at it all wrong. You just need to think more positive. I understand, I understand, folks. I understand positive thinking. I understand it. I am hardwired, raving optimist. I just, I think I was born with a smile and that everything was just going to be great. I'm just hardwired that way. And guess what? It ain't always good. It's not always good to be a raving optimist. Sometimes I don't see the things right in front of me that I need to deal with, that I, that I need to see. <clears throat> there, there are, sometimes there are things that, man, that there's reality that needs to be dealt with. And I may think things are a little better than they were. This was really pointed out to me when we were traveling. And I was super conscious because when we were traveling in 08, gas prices, I, I, the most I paid for diesel was $4.95 a gallon. And I had a 100-gallon tank. Ouch. Yes. So I was watching like crazy my little thing tell me how much miles to the gallon I would get. Because every time I calculated it, it told me I was getting seven. This was a big motorhome dragging my Suburban. That I was getting seven. So it said I was getting seven miles to the gallon. That made me angry. I wanted more than that. So, but I had it where it was on instant economy all the time. Where it let me know what I was getting right then. Well, somehow, when every time I looked at it, I was getting 11, 12, 14. And I'm like, how does this work? Every time I look at it, it's telling me a lot better. And then when I do the math, man, this thing is broken. This thing is messed up. Well, then I caught myself. I caught myself. I did the exact same thing that I do whenever I walk in front of a mirror. Walk in front of her, going, there's the mirror. I do, it's just, it's just like the corner of my subconscious catches that there's a mirror. And then I straighten up a little bit. Look, yeah, I look pretty good. I'm all right, this diet's working. And then, uh, and so when I was doing that, this, that, that optimistic nature, and I caught myself that every time we were on the interstate and we had a little bit of a downhill, we were going a little bit downhill, I'd look at the deal. Subconsciously, I knew I was getting better fuel economy. And that number made me smile. If it was 11, 12, 15, yes, 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 I'm doing good. It's doing better. <clears throat> I just, that there are times that you, we sit there and, and this, this bent that we have just towards raving optimism sometimes will, will tell us that, you know what, that, that everything is just, that everything's able to be dealt with in a normal human capacity. But there are things, guess what? Even Jesus says that there are things that are they're impossible. They're impossible. Let's look at it. Matthew 19 says, Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. This is impossible. Jesus wasn't being overdramatic. This is impossible with man. Guess what he was talking about? He was talking about having like wealth and prosperity and still serving God full out. He said, that's impossible. Guess what? It doesn't end right there. Thankfully, living in the most prosperous nation on the planet, it doesn't end right there. But with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. There are things that the only way we're going to be able to do them is in Christ. 
that there are things we're only going to be able to handle those things are in God. And we have to be we have to be willing to recognize when we're at those moments, that there are those things that there's just no way we can't deal with this in and of ourselves. See, Luke 1, Luke 1 says, <clears throat> Mary says, how will this be? How will this be? She told she's going to have a baby since I'm a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One will be born. <clears throat> the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a uh, child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. In the natural, it's just not happening that a virgin is going to give birth. There's the stuff that's got to happen. But with God, these things are possible. And then the angel left her. She understood it. And God did not rebuke her. She didn't get rebuked for being told. Seriously, baby. I, I know what I've been up to. It's not that. I know. It's okay. To be in those places when we're like, okay, God, you're tapping, my, you're tapping me on the shoulder here on this. You're asking me to move in this direction. God, I've got this in my hands and you want me to win. And that's when we have to shift into that thing. That all right. Maybe in a human perspective, this is impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. Because see, the folks, the faith knows the facts of the battle. But trusts in God to bring the win. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. I got a little video. Jesus, I just don't trust you. You don't trust me? No, I mean, I want to trust you. I just don't. <laughs> I have an exercise that I think will really help you. Oh, okay. Stand here and face this direction. Mm -hmm. Now, do you trust me? Uh, no, I just said I don't trust you. Well, this is all part of the exercise. Oh, all right. Okay. Whenever I ask you if you trust me, you say, yes, Jesus, I trust you. Even though I don't. It's practice. Okay. So, do you trust me? Uh, yes, Jesus, I trust you. Now, fall back. Are you going to catch me? Don't worry about that part. Okay, that's the part I'm worried about. <laughs> you can do this, okay? Just trust me. Trust you. Fall back. Okay, well... Jesus, I trust Good. you. Yes, I do trust you. I'm going to fall okay. back. Oh, okay. Uh, let's try this again. Just face this direction and keep your feet planted. All right? Do you trust me? Yes, Jesus, I trust you. Now, fall back. Okay. I'm going to do it. All right. I'm really going to do it. Okay. Good. Stand here, uh -huh. but face me. Oh, forward fall. Okay. I can do that. Wait. <laughs> okay. Um, wait for my signal. Oh, right. The Jesus signal. Yes, the okay. Jesus signal. Do you trust me? Yes, Jesus. I trust you so much. Good. Fall back. <laughs> That's awesome. It is awesome. Especially when you do it. Uh, seriously? Of course. Okay, Jesus, 
I don't know if you noticed this, but there is nobody over there. I know it looks that way to you. It looks that way. It is that way. You can do this, Laura. Just trust me and fall back. Jesus, I can't do that. We can do it together. I can't. You can. I won't. It's this spot where it just looks like this ain't going to work. There are times we kind of feel like, yeah, God's got our back. I can lean on him. God, I feel like you're there with me. I, we, can, we can do this thing. And then there's other times where we're like, seriously, God? Seriously, God? This is what I've got? I'm honestly, I'm not. The fact that this is in my hand, I'm feeling like you kind of don't have my back. And then now I've got to trust you to make something good out of this. Seriously, now I'm supposed, now I'm supposed to trust you. Well, I recognize that man, this is a tough deal. There are those places where all of the outside signals tell us. You look back, and there's looks like the, the, how can this work? How can this work? But guess what, God specializes in the impossible. He understands that there are things that are going on that you don't understand that are going on. He understands that there's an enemy out there that hates your guts and brings all kinds of junk into your life. And that he can take that junk if you will trust him with it and turn it into something absolutely, absolutely beautiful. But we have to be willing to do that. We have to be willing to trust and step out and move in his direction. I just got to do uh, the funeral for uh, uh, just uh, an incredibly wonderful lady that, um, that I never got to meet. It's the um, grandmother of uh, uh, our very own Randy Chavez. And uh, I got to sit down with uh, um, Randy's uh, aunts and uncles and, and getting ready for the funeral. And they just began to just tell story on story on story on story. Just one after they just rolled just effortlessly of people who trusted Maria in this kind of way. She lived in Miles, Texas, and had a, just this incredible, generous spirit, this generous heart. And they'd tell these stories about these people that would be like from hundreds of miles away and hear about Maria Chavez in Miles, Texas, and that if you're in Miles, Texas, and you need something, Maria will take care of you. One of his aunts told a story that she was coming home from school. And there is this vacant lot next to the house. And she comes home and there are five buses parked in that lot. A whole bunch of tents all set up in the next lot. And like 60 plus people just all over the place. Just going in and out of her house. Just making themselves at home. She walks up and is like, Mom, what on earth is going on? Well, they were some migrant workers on their way to Minnesota. To, to work, and we're told, well, if you're going through miles, find Maria Chavez and she'll take care of you. <clears throat> one of the <clears throat> funny one, Randy said that it was true because one day Randy lived with her for uh, part of his growing up, and that uh, um, he got uh, somebody showed up and he was asleep in his bed. Somebody knocked on the door and asked for Maria Chavez. Said we were told that um, we were coming through here and we were on our way to, to some event and if we needed a place to stay that we could knock on your door. And never met these people before. And she's like, yeah, come on in. Goes and yanks Randy out of his bed. Makes him sleep on the hard floor. And, um, 
and gives these people her best. She gave them a bed to sleep in instead of a floor or instead of the, some, some other place and opened her home and to people she had never, ever met. One of my <clears throat> favorite ones was uh, about a knock she got at the, at the door at <clears throat> 2 o'clock in the morning. And there's a young mom with a baby on her, <clears throat> on her hip. The, the <clears throat> young lady's all beat up, being beat up bad. And she's just crying. And she said, I need to talk to Maria Chavez. So she said, I'm Maria. She said, I've never met you, but I was told that you would help me. She said, what do you need? And she says, I want to get home. I want to get to my family. I want to get back. And she lived in the valley. And so she paid for a bus ticket, fed her, made sure she got on the bus. And the lady was like, like please, please let me repay you. She said, no, 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 no. You, you can't repay me. Here, here's how you repay me. She says, you go and you, <clears throat> you keep yourself safe and your baby safe and you never go back to that man ever again. I just want you to be free. See, that's that place. That's that place where we can trust God. Where that place where we're in our, in these ugly moments where it feels like that there's nobody there. Guess what? God is there. When we got this junk in our hands and said, what am I supposed to this? How can this lead me anywhere good? Where is the wind coming from this? We can go to God and I'm telling you, He will carry us through. Matthew 8, this whole passage right here, and we won't read it right now, but the, uh, we have this guy who understands that Jesus is a miracle worker and he comes to Jesus and lays it out. My servant is dreadfully sick with, <clears throat> with, uh, with paralysis and all this stuff and Jesus just immediately comes. Sometimes it, people can say, well, why, don't, don't say that. Don't, don't, don't confess that over him. It's the truth. He's sick. He's, in, he's getting dealt with. It's It's ugly. But there's a higher truth. He says, you say the word and you'll heal. he'll be healed. And that was the faith that astonished Jesus. Because see, Ephesians 3 is so true. Now, <clears throat> to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Because <laughs> see, folks, no matter what has happened in your life, God can take it and make it into something Good. I want to go ahead and reveal. I want to throw the first picture up on uh, the, our, our Scrabble deal. Of uh, thank you, baby. Our subtitle is connected with this. We had a little had a little competition on uh, Facebook. Who could figure out why these letters, why these uh, particular set of letters were <coughs> were significant to the game of Scrabble. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm a fairly decent Scrabble player, but if I was looking at this board and uh, looking at those set of letters, I would say I need something else. But guess what? This is actually the scenario right here. This Scrabble board and those seven letters are the setup for this play. I can't even say that word. Sesquisoxidizing or something like that. This is the biggest win that anybody can get. It's this, this play right there scores 2,044 points in Scrabble. It is the biggest, it is the biggest win, the, the biggest uh, single play that anybody has, to date has been able to figure out. See, sometimes we can look at our hands. Thanks, guys. Sometimes we can look at what's in our hands. Sometimes it looks like the board that's right in front of us that this, I'm just dealing. I've got a bunch of nothing. 
And that what actually, if we, we let God play it the way it can be played to its potential, they can actually be the biggest win ever. He can take some of these things that are the ugliest, darkest, why God things, and we really trust Him and we really release it to Him. And man, I tell you what, He can take the enemy that meant it for bad and whoop him upside the head with it. Romans 8 says, And we know that in all things, all things, God works for the good of those who love Him and who have been called according to His purpose. Ah, that God doesn't cause all things. He works all things for the good. 1 Corinthians 2, however, as it's written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. And Genesis 50 says, don't you see? Don't you see? This is Joseph talking to his brothers that sold them into slavery. You planned evil against me, but God used those same plans for my good, as you see all around you right now, life for many people. Folks, God wants us to trust Him. He wants us to trust Him with the stuff that we don't understand so that He can make our lives become something more grand than we could ever imagine. Than we could ever imagine. That is part of it. We come to God and we want to, so many times we want to bring Him our strengths and we don't want to bring Him our weaknesses. Sometimes we want to bring Him our brokenness and not want to give Him the stuff we feel like we're in control of. God wants it all. And it's all the pieces. It's all the pieces. For that incredible score, it took, it took the, the seven, le- I mean the, the ten point letters. It took them. But it also took some one point letters. Some of the stuff you're like, yeah, I can really win with this. And it's, it's common. There's a kajillion S's. There's a kajillion I's. And this is common. No, it's the pieces. All of them coming together. The stuff you maybe see as significant and the stuff you see as insignificant. And letting Him put it together to bring the ultimate win in your life. All of us are called to lives of significance. All of us. We just have to let Him build that win for us. So this morning, where this, where this begins... If we haven't, if you haven't crossed that place and crossed over from death into life, then it starts as easy as this. You recognize that you need a Savior and that Jesus is Him. That He took the, the wholeness of all of the, the weight of your sin and death. And that He took that from you and then now He presents life. And so now the death part is off of you and the life part is yours to have. And you simply say yes to that. So I just appreciate it with nobody looking around. We just want to give opportunity right now for those that are ready to step over and say, you know what, God? I got this mess. I got this stuff I don't know what to do with, but I recognize, I recognize that I put it in your hands and you can turn it around. You can turn it around, God.